الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا ايها الذين امنوا اذكروا الله ذكرا كثيرا سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى سيدنا محمد المبارك والسلام people are sleeping i can bring the smaller mic actually uh bring uh, the bring the chair uh no 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 bring that not this not this with the green chair uh, so a lot of you are sitting for the first time actually uh we have already had our detailed sessions alhamdulillah by the grace of allah on wukufa qalbi and on muraqaba which were the two major things and we also i've already done istighfar and tilawat al-kitab we really were doing this for the sake of our, of our brothers from nigeria and zimbabwe and at least one suleiman from zambia uh inshallah we recorded them so that they could take it back to nigeria so those who come later can also get a copy of the recordings maybe we'll give one to mulana ibrahim and he can organize it amongst the sort of uh the non-african brothers Very briefly I'm going to talk today about <coughs> salawat and durood. If you would remember the fifth ma'mul, number 1 was wukuf al-qalbi, number 2 was muraqaba, number 3 was daily recitation of Quran, number 4 was daily recitation of istighfar, number 5 is daily sending of blessings, salawat on Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And there's no need to give any dalil for this, but Allah SWT said in the Quran al-Kareem, إِنَّ اللَّهُ وَمَلَائِكَتُهُ يُسَلُّونَ عَلَى النَّبِيهِ That verily Allah SWT and His angels yusallun. This is mudhareh. Some of us say this gives the proof of dawam, which means that always, Allah SWT is always sending blessings on Rasulullah SAW. Every single second, every single moment. Allahu Akbar Kabeerah. <laughs> That is what happens when you reach maqam al-mahmood when you reach maqam al-mahboob that Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam is so pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we cannot imagine this that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is sending salawat sending blessings every single second every fraction of a second every fraction of a millisecond for all of eternity on Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam because you see the Quran al-Karim is in the lawh al-mahfuz it does not end when this dunya ends it remains even in the akhirah so the understanding of the mufassirin then is not just in the lifespan of this world but for all of eternity perpetually allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yusalluna ala an-nabi extending blessings on the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and then allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded ya ayyuhalladhina amanu o you who believe o you who aspire to perfect iman sallu alayhi wasallimu taslima that in other words we should also send our blessings and peace and grace on the beloved messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam so this is also supposed to be done 200 times a day one tasbih which means 100 times using the specific formula that i'm a shaykh have mentioned just like when you go to a doctor and gives you a particular antibiotic you take the antibiotic the doctor prescribed you don't go into the medical store and start researching the other types of antibiotics and take whichever one is your fancy 
So the specific durood, the specific form of salawat, blessings that our Mashaik have said, Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammadin wa barik wa sallim. Again, it is what we call ma'aqalla wa ma'adalla. It is concise but sufficient. It is mukhtasar but jamih. It contains everything, the fazail of the durood. Now, like we mentioned before in istighfar, ideally we should say it twice a day for 100 times, morning and evening. For those who are new, we define morning and evening as far as the ma'mulat are concerned. Morning means the time between Fajr and Maghrib. And Maghrib means the time, uh, evening means the time from Maghrib to Fajr. So one tasbih at some time between Fajr and Maghrib. And one tasbih at some time between Maghrib and Fajr. If we're unable to do that, then at least one sitting of a hundred times. And the other hundred time we can say while going somewhere. Now let me explain the two things that we do, whenever we discuss the ma'mul, we explain it's rubbed with tasawwuf. In other words, there's so many things in our deen that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to do that I mentioned the Qur'an and Sunnah. Why these specific things have been, called, been chosen to be part of the ma'lumat yomiyah, the daily schedule of the salakin of the salsala ali and akshimandi mujandideen. So obviously there's a deep rubbed between uh, salawat and tasawwuf because one of the primary goals of the sawf is to attain the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's pleasure, His mahboobiyah is embedded in the sunnah. Allah Rabbul Izzat says in the Qur'an, Al-Qaim, Kul in kuntum Allah. That, O oh my beloved Messenger, tell the people, tell the believers, which includes tell the salakeen, in kuntum Allah, that if you wish to claim that we are the lovers of Allah, if we make the da'wah of ishq, then فَتَّبِعُونِي Tell them that they cannot come to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala directly. There is no direct way to go to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We must go through ittiba'i nabi. Ittiba'i sunnati rasulullah Okay Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we wanted to be your lovers. You sent us to ittiba'i sunnah. We follow ittiba'i sunnah. Now Allah, we brought the dalil that you demanded for our da'wah. We brought the proof that you demanded for our claim. Now will you accept us as your lovers? Allah SWT says that not only will I accept you as my lovers, but Yuhbibkumullahu, that Allah SWT Himself will love you. That we wanted to be lover, Allah sent us to the Sunnah. We followed the Sunnah, Allah not only made us His lover, but Allah made us His beloved. So the mahboobiyah to become the beloved of Allah SWT lies in following the Sunnah. The fuel that makes a person follow the sunnah is love for the Prophet And that daily practice which will increase our love for Rasulullah is sending salawat daily. So just like we heard Shaykh Salahuddin uh, say yesterday that istighfar without istihzar, what he was saying was to recite forgiveness, to seek Allah's forgiveness with an absent heart, without presence of heart is useless. Just like that, we should also recite the salawat with a present heart. We should feel that on the very first, Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad ala Sayyidina Muhammad all of a sudden the waters, the springs of love for the Prophet gush forth in our heart. And by the hundredth one, we should be drowning in Ishqi Rasul, we should be drowning in love for the Messenger And the way to do this is very easy. We just think about the in'amat, the graces, the generosities of our beloved Messenger on us. One tear that he shed for his ummah, amongst me and you, we are included in that, at the time of the Hajjah. In fact, not only the tears that he shed for us, but the hopes and aspiration that he had for us. It comes in a riwayah that once some uh, young kuffar from the Quraysh, 
attacked the Prophet in the vicinity of the Kaaba. So much so that he had some wounds inflicted on his face. When he went home, his daughter Zainab, somebody had gone and informed her, and she had prepared a bowl of water with which Rasulullah could wash the wounds on his face. When Rasulullah took that bowl of water and raised it to his face in order to wash or cleanse his wounds, in the reflection of the water, he saw that his daughter, Sayyidina Zainab was crying. When he saw her crying, he immediately put the bowl of water down, did not cleanse his wounds. And he said, O oh, Zainab, why is it that you cry? Know that I swear in whose hand, in the name of that being in whose hand is my life, that the message and the mission with which I have been sent to earth will eventually spread to the four corners of the world. It means that at that moment, when Rasulullah Wasallam's own people, own tribe, own clan, own family was rejecting his teaching as a prophet, he took comfort in the fact that there would come a time in the future that Islam would spread to the four corners, to Nigeria, to Zambia, to America. Are we people, have we lived up to that dream of the Prophet ﷺ? Do we think that if he saw our state right now, he would feel solaced? He would have joined the Hinnah in crying, if he could see our state. So we should think that, Ya Allah, Rasulullah had such hopes in us, had such expectations in us, took solace in the fact that maybe later on there would be Muslims of all shapes and sizes and colors. So we have to live up to that legacy. We have to fulfill that dream of our beloved Messenger ﷺ and not be a means of embarrassment or a means of disappointment or a means of sorrow for him. So with extreme love we should say this salawat. Now that we've done the rub in tasawwuf and we've explained practically how to say the do this ma'mul with the proper love and passion. And you remember when we discussed this tikfar, our mashayikh say that we should do the ma'mulat the way our elders did them. With the same verve, with the same desire, with the same feeling. That we have to follow our footsteps of our elders even in these ma'mulat. In the quality and the emotions in which they did these ma'mul. The next thing is practically speaking, sometimes a person might ask a question, that what should I do first? Istighfar or salawat? That I wish to sit down and do all my tasbihat together. So the way Shaykh explained this is that when you have a dirty piece of clothing, what do you do first? Do you first wash it or do you first put itar, fragrance upon it? Do you first wash the dirty clothing or do you put itar, fragrance, perfume, cologne on it? Obviously first we wash the clothing and then we put itar. So therefore if we wish to do istighfar and salawat together, First we make istighfar because that is like washing our heart. After the istighfar, then we make salawat, that is like perfuming our heart with the fragrance of the blessings of the Prophet ﷺ. Then that person who is going to, is busy in a particular day and wants to do their second tasbih, that second hundred times while going somewhere. You remember I told you in istighfar and again today in salawat, that the second tasbih, it's better that you have a dedicated sitting and where you concentrate and do that. But if you can't, then the bare minimum is 100 times in 24 hour period, you should sit down the concentration. The second one you can say on your way. So then the question arises, that okay, if I'm going to work, on my way to work, and then I'm coming back from work, on my way back from work. So which one should I recite on the way, and which one should I recite on the way back? Even Shaykh has explained this. 
Sheikh is explaining that on the way to work, on the way to college, on the way to university, on the way to the factory, you should recite durood salawat. To get the blessings of the salawat in your day. On the way back, you should recite istighfar. To seek Allah's forgiveness for whatever heedlessness might have overcome us when we gave our heart and mind to the dunya. When we were engaged in working, earning a living, or studying, on the way back we should make istighfar. That Ya Allah, although you made it permissible for us, kasbi halal, to earn a halal livelihood, still it is not, it's your shan, your majesty. That we really should have spent this time in your absolute remembrance as well. So you make istighfar on the way back of anything, any mistake we might have done in the day, or simply that we spent so much time in the day. Right? Because if you look at it in reality, the emotional passion in which we engage in our job, we don't have that passion in our ibadat. If you find the passion that a student gives in his studies, the passion that a doctor gives to his clinic, the way we select our machinery, the way we select our tools, the way we pick our pens as students, with such fine care, Everybody has their own particular choice of pen, of paper. So much detailed attention and effort into these permissible activities, then we should reflect, do we give such detailed attention and effort to our ibadat or to our ma'mulat? So at the end of that then, if we want to say an istighfar or salawat on the way or the way back, on the way we say salawat, and on the way back we say our istighfar. This concludes then our series of talks on the ma'mulat. One hour we did on Mukufa Kalbi, one hour we did on Muraqabah, we did about 20 minutes each on Istighfar and Tilawati Kitab, and we just did about 10-15 minutes on Durood. Inshallah, Shaykh Mawlana Hafiz Junaid is going to speak to the brothers tomorrow, uh, tomorrow inshallah, on the sixth Ma'mul, which is Rabita Shaykh, how to keep a connection and a relationship with the Shaykh. The other thing that I want to explain today is in addition to doing the Ma'mulat themselves, our Shaykh has mentioned certain things that he calls usul, certain key principles to keep in mind while doing our ma'mulat. And the way we can understand this, the ma'mulat are like the medicine, the prescription that the doctor has given us. And along with that medicine, he tells us certain precautionary measures, certain tips. So for example, if a person has a cold, he might give you an antibiotic or flu medicine. And then along with that, he'll tell you so many other things. Wear a sweater, keep a blanket, drink some herbal tea, use honey, use lemon, so many extra things. You can imagine it like vitamins. So we have gone over the medicine, now we have to go over the vitamins that will strengthen our ability to get the maximum benefit from these ma'mulat. <clears throat> so these are usul that will preserve. Number one, they will make us benefit more from the ma'mulat. And number two, they will help us retain those blessings. Because there are many traps, pitfalls that if we fall into them, even if we do the ma'mulat regularly, there are certain things that we do that might actually suck away or make us lose the anwarat or the fuyuzat, the lights, the blessings, the graces, the benefit that we get from doing the ma'mulat. So there are 21 that Shaykh has mentioned in one of his books. And we'll go through them, inshallah, slowly. Number one is that we should always do tashi'un niyyah we should always make sure that we have the correct intention when we do these ma'mulat and that intention is that we're doing these for the sake of the pleasure of Allah for the raza of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we should always keep this in mind continually remind ourselves of this and always freshly make this intention just like again a young man when he goes to work every single morning he freshly gets ready 
Even if he's working after one year, after a second year, there's no change in the freshness of his preparation. He takes a shower with as much vigilance and care, the hundredth time as the first time he took a shower. He puts his powder, deodorant, clothing, ironing, everything, with as much care the five hundredth time as he did the first time. Just like that, our ma'mulat, we should make that niyyah, that intention, with as much care the fifth day that we do our dhikr, the hundredth day that we do our, do our dhikr, the three hundredth day that we do our dhikr. So the first then of the twenty-one usul is that we should make our intention clear, focused. We should be aware and that our intention is a desire to attain the pleasure of Allah. And it's not, our intention is not to feel something, to feel some warmth, to see some color, to experience some hal, some kifiyat, some spiritual ecstasy. No, that is not our intention. Our intention is servanthood, slavehood, only for the sake of attaining the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second principle to keep in mind when doing the ma'mulat is that we should try to maintain a state of wudu. Try to stay in a state of wudu, and you remember we discussed this before, that the most important, the ahammul ibadat, the most important ibadat, Allah subhanahu wa has made wudu a condition. Salah, tawaf, and tilawah. Daily prayer, going around the Kaaba, and recitation of the Holy Quran. So that means that there must be something about wudu that heightens our spiritual awareness, that increases our ability to make dhikr of Allah. So because the salik wants to do wakufa kalbi, to be in a state of remembrance throughout the day 24 hours, then he should make use of this booster, this helper, this assistant in remembering Allah. We should try to be in a state of wudu at all times, but particularly at least we should try to be in a state of wudu when we make these ma'mulat. For example, istighfar is not a condition. It's not an all fard, it's not a condition in any way that you have wudu. But these are the adab, the etiquettes. That if we do these adab, we might be able to benefit more from the istighfar. So whenever possible, we should try to do istighfar in a state of wudu. But if we're not in wudu, that shouldn't keep us from the istighfar. Right? That okay, no, I, I'll have to go to the bathroom, make wudu, okay, I'll do my istighfar later. That's what shaitan will do. He'll make you postpone it. Right? No, no, no. It's not as important a condition. It should not keep us from doing the ma'mul, it should not even let us delay the ma'mul for too long. If instantly you make wudu, come back three minutes, that's fine. But don't think that, okay, well I can't do wudu now, or I'm in the office, or I'm sitting in the car, I was going to do my istighfar on the way back, but I don't have wudu, so I won't do it on the way back. And you won't do it later either, and then that 24-hour day will finish, and you will have lost that istighfar. But whenever possible, ideally, preferably, try to do the ma'mulat in a state of wudu, if we are so careful about our zahiri tahara, about our outward purity, inshallah Allah will give us regularity or constancy in our inward tahara, in our inward purity. The third usul, and this I've already mentioned, the third usul is that the way we do the ma'mulat, the awrad, the wazayf, the daily practices, we should do them again on the pattern of our elders with the same, what we say in Arabic, zok and shok, with the same yearning, with the same desire, with the same emotional presence that our elders did them. Simply put, we should do them with feeling. We should do them with feeling. We should say istighfar as if we mean it. We should say salawat as if we truly mean it. It's truly meaning it and truly feeling it that gives the benefit. 
In other words, the thing that benefits in istighfar is the real feeling of asking Allah's forgiveness and feeling remorse and regret. The thing that benefits in salawat is that feeling of love for the Prophet ﷺ, that feeling of being indebted to him, that feeling of being grateful to him. So because the real thing that benefits is the feeling, so we should also try to consciously try to make sure the feeling is alive each and every time we do it. The fourth thing that Shaykh mentioned <coughs> is that for a few moments before we start any ma'mul, we should pause. We should do tawakkuf. We should pause and prepare ourselves mentally for that. In other words, put ourselves in the state of mind. But don't we see that if you have a major meeting with your boss or an interview, you get to the office a few minutes early. And those few minutes you just prepare. You mentally get yourself in a state of preparation for that meeting. You get prepared. So just like that, before the, we do a ma'mul, we should pause for a little bit. We should reflect on what it is we're about to do. And Shaykh has mentioned a couple of things we can think about. Number one, Shaykh has mentioned that we can reflect on death. Because the dhikr and when we reflect on death, it's something that puts us in a very soft, it softens our heart. It puts us in a state that we want to worship Allah, we want to remember Allah. So for a few moments, it's just a few moments, not even one minute, a few moments, pause, maybe think about death. Second thing Shaykh says, or alternatively think about the temporary nature of this dunya. Think about the fleeting nature of this dunya. <clears throat> or another thing that is mentioned is that think, this one to be explained a little bit, think about your Shaykh. Think about the muhabbat that you have for your Shaykh. Now let it be clear in our silsilah naqshabandi and mujaddidi, there is nothing, no concept called tasawwur al-shaykh. We don't have that concept. Tasawwur means that you imagine the face of the shaykh or you keep the picture of the shaykh. We don't do that. But sometimes if you want, you can bring to mind the ta'luk that you have, the relationship that you have with the shaykh or the love that you have with the shaykh. Sometimes when a person remembers their teacher, not the physical form of their teacher, but the relationship between their heart and the heart of the teacher, then it makes a person want to study more. It makes a person want to try harder. It makes a person focus. I remember once when I was studying in the madrasa, one of our teachers who also taught Sheikh Mulan Junaid, Mulan Shahid Ubaid, he once told me uh, the day before the exam that you have to do well for my sake. Now, when the teacher said that, this was now an extra incentive, an extra motivational factor. So that night I was, then I, I made intention, right, to do as much as I could that night. Now when I felt that, okay, you know, I've done enough, you know, that all of a sudden I thought of my teacher. When I thought of my teacher, not his face, not his physical form, but of the relationship between us, then all of a sudden I felt fresh again. It woke me up, right, and I was able to study even more. Or I felt that I really have to do well. So just like that, sometimes when we think of Shaykh, then we feel that, no, I have to say this istighfar with concentration. I have to work hard on this muraqabah. Because Shaykh wants me to succeed. Shaykh wants me to be successful in muraqabah. So out of love for my Shaykh and desire to please my Shaykh, I should sit down and for 10, 15, 20 minutes, I should work very hard on this muraqabah. I should attack my nafs in this muraqabah. I should attack this muraqabah and try to make it as intense, as beautiful, as perfect as possible. So these several things, think about, in other words, the general lesson was to pause a little bit, reflect, gather your thoughts, free your mind, get some focus. Just like when you, uh, I don't know if we have this in Nigeria, probably not, uh, pizza, 
or a pie or something, when you want to bake something in the oven, so you preheat the oven. You preheat the oven, first you, you don't put anything, the oven is empty and you put it on 400 Fahrenheit or whatever it is, 150 Celsius, right? And then when it's hot, then you put the food in. So just like that, view this as preheating our heart to make the zikr of Allah. First preheat it with some thoughts of death, some thoughts of the deception of the dunya, some thoughts of shay. Then it's preheated, then begin, jump into the muraqabah. Okay? That was the fourth usul. The fifth, the fifth principle to keep in mind in the ma'mulat is any type of experience or feeling that we have. Again, that is not matloob, that is not our object. That's not what we're seeking. We're not doing maqaba to feel something in our heart. We're not doing maqaba to have all types of wonderful experiences. We're doing maqaba again solely as an act of worship for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But a person, it's human nature that we want signs of progress. Right? Human being needs to know that they're doing something right. So this is, that's what this is a bit different from the earlier one. So if a salik wants to know that what is my sign of progress, it's only natural that I should have some feeling of success, some feeling of accomplishment, some yardstick of measurement, so that I continue to be energetic, I continue to be motivated. So what Shaykh is saying on this point is that the sign of accomplishment is not any feeling. The sign of accomplishment is that our love for the Sharia and Sunnah and our amal, our practice on the Sharia and Sunnah increases. So the fifth usul is that yes, it is natural to want to see am I doing it right? Am I benefiting from Raqaba? I've done Raqaba for one week, for two weeks now, for one month now. Am I getting what the intended effect is? Am I getting the result? Am I making progress? So yes, that is a natural desire. The way to gauge progress, however, is not that how many times did I see some light or how many times did I feel some trembling. It's to see did my love and my practice of the Sharia and Sunnah increase. So the fifth usul is simply that, that if we want to judge our progress, we should look and see did our love and practice for the Sharia and Sunnah increase or not. And that is the sign of kubuliyat. Uh, that is the sign that Allah SWT has accepted us. So the sign of acceptance is not that Allah sends some thunderbolt of ecstasy in your heart. The sign of kubuliyat is that Allah increases us on our deen and our sharia and our sunnah and our love for it and our practice for it and those of us who are also students of knowledge and our understanding of it. And our understanding of it. Number six. Sheikh says that do not chase dreams. Do not be preoccupied with what type of dream you saw. I didn't see a dream. Or somebody else I heard that he saw a dream. When will I see a dream? Do not show any interest, any desire, forget entirely dreams. Dreams are irrelevant. Yes, sometimes a dream is a message of truth. But many times a dream is just a product of our own psyche. A product of what we were psychologically thinking. If you were thinking about something all night, you might see something in the dream. If there was something bothering you all day, you might see something pertaining to that in the dream. But our desire should not be to see dreams. We shouldn't chase dreams. Because again, dreams are not the basis or criteria of our success or our progress. The basis or criteria of our success and progress is the extent to which we love the Sharia and we practice the Sharia and the Sunnah. Number seven. 
you should memorize the Masnoon Du'as, the Sunnah Du'as and use them at their proper time and place. We should sprinkle our day, we should adorn our day, beautify our day with the Sunnah Du'as of the Prophet Now, Shaykh has written a book on this uh, in Urdu called Piyari Rasul Ki Piyari Du'ai The Beautiful Supplications of Our Beautiful Messenger and there are many books in English where you can also get uh, these, these du'as that are mentioned. The second thing that some of you I think are also doing are different a'mal that are mentioned in hadith. And Shaykh himself has put 40 of them in the beginning of sajjah. And I think if you have the English sajjah you would see that. Remember that the sunnah du'as are more important than the sunnah a'mal. So number one, you should be regular in your ma'mulat. Number two, you should try to adopt the sunnah du'as. Number three, the different types of dhikr and askar mentioned in ahadith. If you have extra time, when you're done with your ma'mulat, then you can do that. If you have extra time, then that is nur al-nur, that is excellent, that is light upon light, benefit upon benefit. But the more ihtimam or the more thing you should be strict about doing regularly is your ma'mulat. And then if you have extra time, you can do the different things that Shaykh has mentioned in the shajnah. Number eight is that you should have a strong rabita with the shaykh. So, inshallah, Ma'an Jini will explain this tomorrow. But basically, I'll just give you very... I'll give you the headings, the chapter headings, and Shaykh Jinnib will tell you the chapter. The chapter heading, number one, is muhabbat shaykh Number two is suhbat shaykh Number three is khidmat shaykh Number four is ittiba'i shaykh And number five is adab shaykh Muhabbat shaykh Sohbat shaykh Khidmat shaykh Ittiba'i shaykh And adab shaykh This itself is a whole one hour So this will be done properly inshallah tomorrow But in terms of the usul, in terms of this Is that a person should keep this in mind this is very helpful. Remember, the usul are those things that are going to help us. Number one, maximize the benefit of the ma'mulat. And number two, retain, safeguard, preserve the benefits of the ma'mulat. Because uh, lack of adab of shaykh or doubt of shaykh is something that is lethal. Lethal. Shaykh al used to say that many things might happen to you. You might fall, he just tells salakin, muridin. That you might fall into some sins, some you might fall into some sahu, some khata, some error, some mistake, you might make a, a sin. You should hasten to Allah's forgiveness. But there's one thing that if it happens to you, you should cry. And you should think something devastating has happened to you. And that is if in your heart you feel a decrease in your muhabbat for your shaykh. If in your heart you feel some doubt about your shaykh. If in your heart you did some lack of adab for your shaykh, Shaykh al-Adi said that if that happens to you, then you should just start crying. You should throw yourself at the door of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is an extremely lethal and dangerous thing that has happened. Even just a decrease in the muhabba of the shaykh is lethal. Is lethal. And that's why this is such an important usul that we have to maintain this love. We have to nourish this love. We have to sustain this love through sohbat, through adab, through khidmat, through ittiba'ah. 
And by doing that, it will inshallah help us to maximize and retain the blessings of the ma'mulat. Number nine is to adhere firmly to be steadfast on the sunnah. Ittibai is sunnah. You will find many times our shaykh will say that, uh, and that's another way of organizing the series, is that there are three foundations of our tariqah. There are three foundations of our tariqah. They are kasrati dhikr, an abundance of remembrance of Allah. Number two, sohbati shaykh or rabita shaykh, company of shaykh, relationship with shaykh. And number three, ittiba' is sunnah, following the sunnah. Maybe, maybe we'll just talk about this for the rest of the time. Ittiba' sunnah is one of the hallmarks of our silsilah naqshubandiya mujaddidi. That's why whenever you see a shaykh of the Naqshbani Tariqah, you will find that down to the last detail, he tries to follow the sunnah. Imama, sunnah of imama. Even the sunnah naghair muqidah. So much so that the reality is that our mashayikh have followed the sunnah so closely that in exchange for that, Allah SWT has not only granted them the sunnah nabi, but He has granted them what we call the adai nabi, the adat nabi, the mannerisms of the Prophet that's what, what I feel when I'm with Shaykh. That the Shaykh's way of walking, his way of talking, his style, his expression, his smile, his mannerisms, his adat. Even he has the adat in the And how do we feel this? I'll give you the meal. When we studied hadith, you would read things about the Prophet ﷺ that the Sahaba felt, and I found that many Muridin feel the same way about their Shaykh. For example, it comes in hadith that the Prophet ﷺ was so kind and loving to the Sahaba that each Sahaba felt that he was the favorite of the Prophet. Each Sahaba felt that he was the favorite of the Prophet. You will find that in the Murideen. That those Murideen who get some chance to spend some time with Shaykh, everyone views himself as the Shaykh's favorite, in a good way. This can also have a bad way, that if we ever discuss the adab of the brethren, there's also a section, the adab of the peer buys, right? But in a positive way, there is this beautiful way, right? Just like the child, every child feels that I'm my mother's favorite. Every child feel I'm my father's favorite. Just like that, we've noticed things like that that are mentioned in hadith. The way the Sahaba were affected by the Prophet ﷺ, we see the same effect on the Muridin and the Salikin of the Shaykh. So by following the Sunnah so much, our Mashaykh who follow the Sunnah, like Hazrat Sahib Mashaykh, Allah SWT has blessed these senior big Mashaykh with even the Adat and Nabi, even the mannerisms, the, the personality of the Prophet ﷺ. I'll give you another example. One of the greatest sunnahs of the Prophet ﷺ, which is almost mafkud, which is almost finished, is the sunnah of his intizam, his administrative capacity, which you would call his human resources management. He recognized that Ubay ibn Kaab is perfect for Kirat, Khalid ibn Walid is perfect for commanding, right? That Abdullah ibn Abbas is perfect for the ilm of tafsir. Abdullah uh, Sayyid Abu Huraira is perfect for hifti riwayat. He managed the human resources of the Sahaba and put each Sahaba on that duty that was most suited to that Sahaba's personality. That is something I've seen a Shaykh also has. When you see how Shaykh gives Murids different tasks or in the Khanka and the Markas and Jung, Shaykh has that Sunnah of the Intizam, the administrative skill of the Prophet ﷺ, Allah subhanahu wa by His Fazl and Grace has given to Shaykh. So these type of other Sunnahs as well, you get, and this is the Khasa, this is the Khasa of our Mashaykh and Naqshiban, because due to their deep and close following of the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, 
Allah Ta'ala blesses them with the adat of the Prophet as well. Let me tell you a little bit, sometimes many people have this question, right? So let me talk about some of the sunnahs that are at least zahiri sunnahs that you would find that are mashayik ihtimama. Number one is imama. Number one is imama. There is an ustad at Newtown, who I should have brought that book, who wrote a book in Arabic. He's written a risala, a treatise, an epistle in Arabic on the fadail of the imam. My own dad ustad, Hazrat Mufti Rashid Ahmad Diyanvi Rahimahullah, in Ahsan al-Fatawa volume 9, has also written a risala on the virtues of the imama, on the virtues of the turban. Now, technically speaking, technically speaking, Wearing a turban, imama in Arabic, turban, is sunnah ghair mu'akkada. Is sunnah ghair mu'akkada is not one of the most emphasized sunnahs that you have to absolutely do. Right? But our mashaykh, this is the level of a lover. A lover does not distinguish between the mu'akkada and the ghair mu'akkada. And this is the practice of the sahaba. There is one sahaba, it comes in a date, there is one sahaba who is habashi. Habashi means he was of African origin. And he had the curly hair, like some African brothers had. And he saw that Rasulullah used to part his hair in the middle. And he said, in my type of hair, I can't get that there would be a line here, because of the part. He would comb, comb the hair, all the hair this side and all the other this side. Then you get a very small line in the middle of your uh, head and your skull, because of that part. Now that Habashi kept trying to comb his hair this way and that way, so he could get the line. He couldn't get the line, so it's mentioned in the books that that Habashi then got an idea. And he became very happy at this idea. And what did he do? He took something, maybe it was some type of string or some type of coil, and he heated it up in the fire, and then he burned the hair down here. Now you know when a person burns, the hair cells die, so the hair is not going to grow again. He burned that area here and then he would happily look at himself and show people that look, I also follow this line of sunnah. So that is the pattern of our sahaba. So this is not uh, hulu that our mashayah can do. It is not hulu, it is ishq. There is no hulu and ishq. Uh, it is not extreme that our mashayah is extreme, they wear the imam all the time. One of my teachers in Madrasa used to debate me on this. He said that you wear imam all the time as if it's fart. The way you wait makes it look as if it's far. So I gave him the deal from hadith. So Rasulullah said in hadith, That the most beloved actions to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are the adwam, are the ones that you do regularly, even if they be few. That they be few is a proof that this hadith is about nawafil. Because it's only in the nawafil that you have ikhtiar on the adad. It's only in the voluntary, these ulama are sitting and the Arabic is coming out. <laughs> it's only in the extra, the voluntary actions, the extra sunnahs, the voluntary extricated acts of worship that you have a choice. Right? Otherwise there's no choice in the fraid. There's no choice in the sunnah and muqqada, in the emphasized sunnahs. So the fact in this hadith that there's a choice to how much you do it, even if you do it a little bit, shows us that this hadith is about the nawafil. It means that the most beloved act to Allah is that we do regularly. So we want our wearing of imamah to be beloved to Allah. That's why we do it with mudawamah. That's why we do it regularly. That's why we always wear the imamah. Now that was true for Rasulullah wasallam. that sometimes, right, ahyanan, sometimes he would leave the imamah so that people wouldn't think it's fart. 
Otherwise, majority of the time, Rasulullah was wearing an imam. Now, we're not like that. If I wear imam every day, nobody's going to think it's part. And even if somebody does, that, their mistake. That's their problem, that's their misunderstanding of the sharia. I've not been given that maqam in the sharia that what I do should be viewed as fard or rajah. Right? So we do it regularly. We do, that's why our mashayikh did ihtimam. So on basis of this hadith. Number two, looking at the practice of our sahaba. And number three, their ishq, their love for the Prophet So that is why our mashayikh are very firm on imamah. And every now and then, yes, shaykh does take off imamah. You will find if you travel with shaykh, in the airplane, or sometimes even in a long distance car journey, Sheikh will take it off, Sheikh doesn't wear it to sleep, so it's not as if we are, you know, gone to that extreme, that we think it's far to wear imama all the time. I will tell you, there was a friend of ours, in Chicago, at that time he was in Virginia, he used to wear imama to sleep. <laughs> Why? For a reason. Once Sheikh called him and told him this hadith, it comes in the hadith that the Prophet ﷺ said, Wear imama, it will increase you in your hilm. Hilm is like a kind of sabr. It will increase you in your ability to absorb things. It will increase you in your ability to... Your threshold before you react. It will increase you in your forbearance. That you can handle things more and more without reacting. So maybe a person who reacts very quickly, who has a very reactive personality, we might want to increase in our hilm. So when Shaykh told him the hadith started sleeping at night, and inshallah I'm sitting in the masjid in a state of wudu, it's my firm belief in the malat malu bin niyat, right? The niya of wearing the imama even when he was sleeping was to get him, surely Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala must have given him that reward, right? But otherwise, right, we don't, uh, our mashaykh, we don't, uh, you know, somebody might fall asleep wearing imama, but you can take the imama off. I'll give you another example. There comes in the hadith that the Prophet was once about to pray, Another one of the sunnahs of the Prophet which you would see on Mashaikh is that of the uh, handkerchiefs, scarf, you call it scarf, scarf, right? A piece of cloth that you keep with you over your shoulder, right? Once the Prophet was about to pray, he was wearing a, 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 a skull cap, but he didn't, have his, he didn't have his turban with him. He was wearing a skull cap, he didn't have his turban with him. He took his handkerchief, his scarf, and he wrapped it in a makeshift, temporary turban, and then he prayed salah. So from that hadith we know that the Prophet preferred to pray salah wearing imamah. And one hadith, although it is weak in narration, it is mentioned that the reward of salah with imamah is 25 or 27 times more than the reward for salah without imamah. This is written in the Hashi of Shema'il al-Tirmidhi. In the Hashi of Shema'il al-Tirmidhi, which is a book of hadith in which Imam Tirmidhi collected all of the attributes, characteristics, dress, food, ring, everything about the Prophet And in that there's one chapter on the turban. And then different mashayikh have written commentaries on this. And one of the commentators on the chapter of the turban has gathered all these other ahadith on the Imam. That is one thing that is mentioned there. So much so I remember, and this I would definitely not tell you the name, but I remember once we were in some place and Shaykh called one of his khulafa into the room. And at that moment, although mashallah Allah, that khalifa normally wears uh, the imama, at that moment that khalifa had shown up and he prayed salah without the imama. Shaykh called him into the room and Shaykh asked me to get Shema'il al-Tirmidhi. We got Shema, that book of hadith. Shaykh opened up that hadith and just turn the page and ask the person to read those hadith about the imamah, that's it. There's a saying in Arabic, 
that for a smart person just a sign is sufficient a sign is sufficient for the wise that person understood Shaykh is giving me a signal right that we should do so much ihtimam of the sunnah ihtimam of the imama that we should try to wear a turban when we pray our salah look my friends the reality is is that we have failed in adorning ourselves with the inner sunnah so when a person has some failure he tries to maximize his success for example if I fail in mathematics and I will try to get add the best numbers I can in economics to somehow compensate for my failure in math that's why we should try to do the best we can in the outer sunnah to compensate for our failure in the inner sunnah inner sunnah means the love for Allah that the Prophet in is his heart the sunnah love for Allah the fear for Allah that the Prophet in his heart the sunnah fear for Allah the concentration in salah that the Prophet had in his heart the sunnah focus on salah we're not able to maximize those inner sunnahs maybe if we maximize in the outer sunnahs we can make the dua to Allah but Ya Allah we adopted the likeness we adopted the image we're a counterfeit bill but Ya Allah we made the counterfeit so good that Allah SWT consider it as if it's real consider it as if it's real put the truth, put the spirit, put the spirit into this body that we did knuckle, give us the asl we copied, give us the reality right? Maybe we can, by following the sunnah, make that dua. Then, the color of the imama. So the color of the imama comes in different hadith, different colors. I remember once also one of my teachers in Karachi debated me on this. Interestingly, before the ninth volume of Asana Fatah was printed. While I was a student at this particular place, the ninth volume was printed. And the ninth volume of Tirashid Amal Allah writes, after a long discussion of the alwan, the colors of imama, he writes, well, abidu abzal, that white is abzal, white is the best. So I just had to take it to my teacher and just make him read that one line. And the debate was finished. So white is preferred color for the imama. White is preferred color for the imama. Then the clothing. Some people ask, you all wear a specific type of clothing. You are like some type of cult. You are like some type of cult. All of you walk around and wear this particular type of clothing. Al-Amanu Al-Hafiz, right? What happens is the people who want to find faults, they can find faults in anything. Allahu Akbar, Al-Amanu Al-Hafiz, there are people in this world who find faults in Allah. Astaghfirullah. May Allah save us from that. People who find faults in Quran, people who find faults in the life of the Prophet people who find faults in Hadith, so if you come across somebody who tries to find faults in Shaykh or in the teachings of Shaykh, you shouldn't be surprised. It's nothing to be worried about. They're big fault finders in this world. And shaitan will send them to you at some point sometimes to test us, to maybe challenge our belief. So by the grace of Allah, we are not some cult. This is not the uniform of some secret society. Different mashayikh have understood the sunnah of libas in different ways. In our belief, even Shaykh says that the real truth is that the libas of the sulaha is sunnah. The reality, the way we understand is that the clothing of the pious, that is sunnah. So there are some pious people who have had one button. There are some pious people who have worn three buttons. We will not say that the three button uh, uh, shirt or jubbah is not sunnah. That's not our view. Nobody should think that. That we think, some people, people might have the genuine misunderstanding That we think that this alone is sunnah And anybody who doesn't have this exact tailor-made suit is not following sunnah 
That is not our belief, let's make that clear. That is not at all what Shaykh thinks, or we think, not at all. It's not about saying that something else is not Sunnah, we're not negating anything else. There were certain of our Mashaykh who they tried to research in to what was the most preferred type of clothing of the Prophet And they found in different reports that different Sahaba had different buttons. It was their own research that led them to discover that they found that there was some slight preference amongst the Sahaba based on the research of the different akhbar, the different reports, for one button. So they said that, okay, if they're seeing that there was a preference for that, we will also wear a jibba with one button. But it doesn't mean in any way that we're saying somebody who wears three buttons is not following some. Okay? In fact, I remember reading myself in a book about Imam al-Nawi, rahimahullah, that has mentioned that when he passed away at the young age of 40, he had one, only one jibba, and that jibba had one button. I remember this very well. That he had one jibba, and that jibba had one button. So even later on in our muhaddithin, we find that some of the muhaddithin adopted such a style of clothing. So our shaykh chose out of his preference to also make that. Now why do we do that? Are we worshipping the shaykh? Is it some type of cult? No. It's two things. Number one, it's just love for the shaykh. Ya Allah, I'm not able to adorn myself with the level of zikr that shaykh has. Maybe Allah, I can dress myself in the clothing that shaykh has. Again, same concept. Maybe I will do the knuckle. Maybe I will make a counterfeit copy. And Allah, out of your mercy, you will put the reality inside of it. So that's reason number one. Reason number two. This is my own personal thing now. Reason number two is that at the end of the day, everybody has to make a decision of what type of clothing to wear. I can either just say very easy, I'll just wear whatever clothing my shaykh wears. If I do that, I take my nafs out of the equation entirely. My nafs has no say then. I will wear whatever shaykh wears. Nafs has been eliminated from this decision making. Or I can say, you know, there are different types of clothing that are sunnah. So let me decide myself. Me, myself. That is nafs. Let me decide myself what type of clothing I will wear. Possible nafs will come in. Possible I will think that I look more handsome in this type of clothing. I look handsome when I wear sky blue. I look handsome when there are three buttons and I have two buttons and the top one is open. Allahu Akbar, what type of thoughts can come to a person? So to totally erase ourselves, this is a mundane thing, what type of clothing we wear. To eliminate our nafs, ourself from the decision making, we just wear what shaykh wears, simple. Not saying anything bad about anybody else, not saying other people aren't following sunnah. Many mashayikh of this ummat, not all of them wear this clothing. We're not saying, no, not even the slightest thing. It's just our own personal choice, that's it. We've left it to that. So somebody even asked to say, I'd wear it because I like it, that's it. Why do I like it? Because somebody I love wears it. Don't you see the people of this world? They follow the fashions. Some cricket star wears his hair in this way. Thousands of young men in the world get the same haircut. Some woman actress gets a particular style of hair. Thousands of women in the world get their hair cut in the same way. What? This is love? This is role model. This is patterning yourself after someone. So for us, our role model is our shaykh. We have love for the shaykh. So some of us show that love. It's not, uh, it's not first. It doesn't mean somebody who doesn't wear this clothing, he doesn't have love for shaykh. No, that's not our belief either. Don't take, again, the ulama would know, don't take mufumi mukhalafa. Don't take the converse of what we're saying. When we say something, it doesn't mean the opposite is true. If we say this is love for shaykh, it doesn't mean somebody who doesn't wear this doesn't have love. That's a principle in our fiqh. 
that when we say something, it doesn't mean we're also saying the opposite of that. So it's possible that, and not just possible, it's my firm belief that many of you love Shaykh more than I do, even if you might not be wearing this particular clothing. Right? So, don't take any negative way of looking at it. Have husnizan, positive thinking. This Ardeen teaches us this. That we should always think well of one another. We should make 70 excuses for our fellow Muslim. So it's very wrong to hastily jump to a conclusion that this person is arrogant, this person is extreme, this person thinks nobody else knows the sunnah except him, this person thinks nobody else loves shaykh like him. Why? Why do we have such? This is shaitan. Shak and shubuhat are the, is the game of shaitan and shahwat is the game of nafs. So if any time we fall in doubt, skepticism, we question, we critique someone, immediately la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. This is, these doubts are from shaitan. Who are we? We haven't come on earth to question the practices of others. We make our own individual choice and that's it. So khair. So we are working our way downwards. It's getting late. So let me finish at least the... the so we've done turban, we've done the one button. White clothing, we don't need to. MashaAllah, Shaykh Ibrahim Kadwa mentioned the other day also. Right? I think it was Shaykh Ibrahim or about the white clothing, that our kafan uh, is white, that our ihram, uh, that the burial shroud is white, that the ihram that we wear in hajj is also white. And the Prophet clearly showed a preference for white clothing. He himself was not able to follow through on his preference, lest the ummah think wearing white always is fard. But now we are free to follow through on the preference of the Prophet without anybody thinking that it is fard. And I've seen many of the Mashaikh. Yeah, I remember our teacher in Bukhari, I only ever saw him wear white. Sheikh Mulana Yaqub always only wore white. So there are many people, you go throughout our, our Ummah, many people who have chosen to prefer white. But again, don't think that we think somebody who doesn't wear white is bad, is worse, that we are better. And never think that about yourself either, that we are somehow better. So always be on guard against these feelings. And one other thing that sometimes is an issue, is the design of our jubba, and that is that there is no slit over here, Anji. That there is no slit over here. Some people will tell you that this was the creation of Lawrence of Arabia, Allahu Akbar Kabira. I remember the same thing I read about Imam Nawawi I remember clearly, crystal clear, that his jubba was like this with no slit in it. So, from my understanding of history, Imam Nawawi was a great muhaddis. And he claimed centuries before Sir Lawrence of Arabia, right? Sometimes what happens is a person, you know, we don't, not any one of us can say that we have complete information. But when our Mashai who did this research on this type of clothing, they found that there were many of our elders, pious predecessors who chose to wear, wear a jubba without a slit. And then Sheikh also once told us, I remember in America, that he also preferred this because it's a bit more modest. How? That sometimes when you're lying down, if you have the slits, then the slits part and a person won't see your leg, but they will see your... their hair, I mean, they will see like this, right? But when you have the, without the slit, then it's less likely than a person will see your undergarment or your, 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 your lower garment, right? So that is a type of haya, right? That we view our outer... and that is, if you look at it, truly that is part of the sunnah. The sunnah outer garment is long in such a way, that is, that is clear, right? The, this is Muhammad view. That up, at least covering the knee is good. It's mustahab until mid-calf, 
When it goes below mid-calf, it becomes makru, and if makru tanzihi, and it falls below the ankle, it becomes makru tahrimi. That's how much detail the muhaddisin went into this. That you keep lengthening it up till it covers your knee, that is preferred. The preference will continue until mid-calf. If you go lengthen it past mid-calf, it's slightly disliked up till the ankle. And if you lengthen it such that it covers your ankle, it's severely disliked. Right? Either way, let's just take up to the knee. Forget even the further details. Maybe different ulama have had different views on the further details. The fact that it covers up to the knee shows that part of the sunnah spirit of our upper garment is that it should also be a veil over our lower garment at least up to our aura, up to our knee. That function of the outer garment of veiling the lower garment for that part of the aura is better obtained when you don't have the slit. When you have the slit, you, you understand slit? When you have the slit, then that function of the sunnah is not obtained. That the outer garment is an additional step of haya, an additional cover over the lower garment. Why? Because this is what we call uh, our, our, our aura, our nakedness. So this from the navel to the knees. So you see the sunnah clothing is such that from the navel to the knee, there's double covering. Double covering. Whether that lower garment was a lungi, a dhoti, a shalwar, whatever, there's double covering. So that sunnah spirit of double covering is slightly weakened if you have a slit that goes from your knee to your waist. Here, I'm, I'm actually this is way too detailed, I think, for this uh, for this gathering. But uh, again, I think the people who sit bring out certain things. Uh, so it's important for us to know this that this is just the personal choice of our Mashiach. And we are just following their personal choice and we leave it at that. Okay? The real thing which we should be focusing on ittibai sunnah is right, is following the sunnah using miswak, imamas also in there, right? Following the sunnah in everything. And you will find that in the books the sunnahs of eating, the sunnahs of sleeping, the sunnah of walking, the sunnah of smiling, the sunnah of laughing. This is the real usul that is mentioned here. That when a shaykh said that we should do ittibai sunnah, and by following the sunnah it will help us benefit from and preserve the benefits of the ma'mulat, it is these sunnahs. Everything. Simply put, once you know, we asked shaykh in America, one a friend of mine, he asked shaykh, that Shaykh, you tell us so many things to do. Can you tell us what was that thing that benefited you the most? What was the thing that benefited you the most that you feel that benefited you the most when you were Marie? And Shaykh said two things. I remember this word for word. Shaykh said number one, I had a craze for the Sunnah. This word for word, craze. I had a craze for the Sunnah. That is what is meant here. Craze for Sunnah means everything we do, we want to know the Sunnah way of doing it. We're eating, what was the sunnah way of eating? How much to eat? What was the sunnah amount to eat? What was the sunnah fingers to use to eat? Which side of the plate is it sunnah to eat from? What seating position is it sunnah to eat from? What type of foods does the Prophet prefer? What are the benefits of different foods mentioned in the sunnah? An absolute craze for the sunnah, obsession for the sunnah. That is what is meant being here, ittibai sunnah. Everything that we do in life, we want to know what is the sunnah way of doing it. Shaykh also said in that gathering that the likeness of the sunnah is like the sky. What does that mean? That when a person is walking on earth, anytime he wants, he can look up at the sky. It's always there above him. Just like that Shaykh said that everything in our life has the sunnah over it. In other words, the guidance of the sunnah is always there. Just like the sky is always there. Everything must have some sunnah way of doing it. We just have to look up to the sunnah just like we look up to the sky. 
So craze for the sunnah. Everything we want to know, the sunnah way of doing everything. So much so that the fuqaha have written in some books that the sunnah way of istinja, even the tartib. <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the tartib. Of, of, of cleansing yourself, whether you start from front to back or from back to front in different <laughs> seasons. <laughs> Allah Akbar. Different tartib. Subhanallah. This is, but this is just to show you. It's a mundane example, but it shows you. Craze for the sunnah is the hallmark of the elders of this ummah. It's the hallmark of the mufassireen, of the muhaddisin, of the fuqaha, of the awliya. Everything in their field, they wanted to find the sunnah. So craze for the sunnah. Everything I want to know is the sunnah way of doing it. And the second thing Shaykh said was love for his Shaykh. Which again, inshallah, is a whole separate topic. Uh, inshallah, so we end on this. This is the last thing that we would do for today then. But the last golden principle that will help us in the ma'mulat is to have a craze for the sunnah and to follow that sunnah with that craze. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give all of us the tawfiq, the ability, the success first to even do these ma'mulat, to even practice these ma'mulat on a regular basis. Second, to safeguard these ma'mulat with these golden principles that our mashayikh have laid forth. وَآخِرُ دَعْوَانَا أَنَ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ Do for a few moments. Close your eyes and bow your head. Cut yourself off from everything in this world. Your thoughts, yourself, your personality. Focus on the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Imagine that the nur, the light, the beneficence, the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is entering into our heart, is softening our heart from its hardness, is making our heart alive after it was dead, is cleansing the sins and the dirt and the blackness that is on, his, that is on our hearts. La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah Subhana Rambiyala Al-Walhaab Allahumma salli ala sinuna Muhammad Wa ala ala sinuna Muhammad Wa barik wa sallim Rabbana dhalamna anfusana Wa illam tagfir lana Wa tarhamna lanakunanna Minal khasirin Rabbana ya Rabbi Kareem Ya Allah our kind and generous Lord Ya Allah, You are the being who gave us each and everything we have since the moment we were born. Ya Allah, zalamna anfusana. Ya Allah, we have oppressed ourselves. Ya Allah, we have wronged ourselves. Ya Allah, we have failed to practice regularly the ma'mulat of our silsila. Ya Allah, we have left the teachings of our mashayikh. Ya Allah, we have left the practices that they enjoined us to do. Ya Allah, we fell prey to our nafs. We fell prey to our laziness. We fell prey to our idleness. Ya Allah, our hearts became hardened with apathy, with disinterest. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we are only losers in this for ourselves. Ya Allah, we ask you on this day in the barakah of the month of Ramadan, in the barakah of the day of the 25th of Ramadan, in the barakah of thy home, this masjid, Ya Allah, in the barakah of the state of the sunnah ittikaf, that Ya Allah, you ask us, you grant us istikama in our ma'mulat. Ya Allah, let us be regular in our dhikr askar. Ya Allah, let not a single day of our life pass except that we do your maraqabah. Ya Allah, let not a single day of our life pass except that we turn to you in wakufi kalbi. Ya Rabbi Kareem, let not a single day or night of our life pass except that we turn to you in istighfar. And Ya Allah, not a single day of our life pass except that we remember to send blessings on your beloved Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ya Rabbi Kareem, not a single day pass except that we recite your beloved and noble Quran al Kareem. Ya Allah, what other value is there in our life? 
Ya Rabbi Kareem, these are the only things that have any meaning in our day and night. Ya Allah, if we are empty of these things, and Ya Allah, our lives have become empty. Ya Allah, we ask you out of your rahmah, out of your mercy. Ya Allah, first to forgive us for our laziness. Forgive us for our lack of discipline. Ya Allah, Ya Allah, remove this laziness. Ya Rabbi Kareem, in this month of Ramadan, Ya Allah, in the barakah of the discipline of the fast, the discipline of taraweeh, Ya Allah, the discipline of itikaf. Ya Allah, we ask you to erase the laziness from our nafs. Ya Rabbi Kareem, there is nothing between us and you except the laziness for our own beings. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask you to remove our laziness. Ya Allah, make us strong in our deen. Ya Allah, increase us in our willpower. Increase us in our irada. Ya Allah, increase us in our desire. Ya Allah, too, we too wish to worship you with feeling. Ya Allah, we too wish to remember you with a present heart. Ya Allah, we too wish to recite istighfar with remorse. Ya Allah, we also wish to recite salawat with love. Ya Allah, we also wish to recite the Quran with Kareem and feel its newer. Ya Rabbi Kareem, how many years will pass before we taste these sweetnesses? How many years will t- pass before we taste these pleasures? Ya Rabbi Kareem, only your mercy, only your rahmah can help us on this day. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we have become so low, so abased that we are beyond our own ability. Ya Allah, but your mercy can reach each and every one of us. Ya Allah, we ask you to reach out to us with your mercy. Ya Rabbi Kareem, make us true to this tariqah. Make us true to this sosala. Ya Allah, let us honor the bond, the pledge, the covenant that we made with our mashayikh. Ya Rabbi Kareem, let us not be a means of disappointment to our mashayikh. Ya Allah, let us not be a means of embarrassment to our mashayikh on the day of judgment. Ya Rabbi Kareem, what will happen on that day? Ya Allah, when you reveal our sins in front of our elders. Ya Allah, what will happen on that day when you reveal the filth of our thoughts in front of our elders? Ya Allah, what will happen on that day when you reveal the filth of our emotions in front of our elders? Ya Rabbi Kareem, Ya Sattar. Ya Allah, the way that you concealed us in this world. Ya Allah, we ask you to conceal us on that day of judgment. Ya Allah, no son wishes to be turned naked in front of his father. No son wishes to be embarrassed in front of his father. Ya Allah, do not make our book of deeds naked on that day in front of our Mashaikh. Ya Rabbi Kareem, Ya Allah, if not for our own self, then Ya Allah, to save them from that despair, to save them from that disappointment. Ya Allah, if they are your beloved ones, and Ya Allah, surely they are your beloved ones. Ya Allah, if the Mashaikh were accepted to you, and Ya Allah, surely you have accepted them. Ya Allah, we ask you to accept the niyat that they have for us. Ya Allah, accept the intentions that they have for us. And Ya Allah, don't look at our actions. Ya Allah, but look at their intentions that they have for us. And Ya Allah, by virtue of their intention, their gaze, their nazar, their shafqat, their rahmah, Ya Allah, transform our hearts on this day. Ya Rabbi Kareem, make our hearts in a way that they wished it that they to be made. Ya Allah, transform our hearts on this day. Ya Rabbi Kareem, Ya Allah, to utter these words from our lips seems to be even a disgrace. To even utter the word naqshbandi or mujaddidi, Ya Allah, seems to be an act of boldness and act of audacity. Ya Rabbi Kareem, it is only your mercy and your kindness, Ya Allah, that you have accepted us for this path. Ya Allah, surely you brought us on this path, Ya Allah, not to turn us away. Surely, Allah, you have irada khair, that you wish to grant us something by bringing us to this path, that you wish to grant us something by bringing us to the shaykh. Surely, Allah, you don't wish to simply hurt the hearts of our mashaykh. Ya Allah, we ask you to grant us the ability to benefit from these teachings. Ya Allah, to adopt these teachings. Ya Allah, to internalize these teachings. And Ya Allah, we ask you to make us learn the sabak of taqwa. Ya Allah, you said in the Quran al-Kareem, Kutiba alaykum siyam Ya Allah, we did our duty, we did the siyam Then Ya Allah, you said, La'allukum tattakun. Ya Allah, we leave la'allukum tattakun to you. Ya Rabbi Kareem, make us misdaq of this ayah. Ya Allah, make us people who truly increase in their taqwa in this month. 
Ya Allah, we ask you for the taqwa ikulub, the taqwa of the heart, the taqwa of the eyes. Ya Rabbi Kareem, Ya Allah, that eye that is gazed upon the Kaaba. Ya Allah, how can that eye look at something bad? Ya Allah, that eye that is gazed upon the Quran al-Kareem, how can that eye look at something bad? Ya Allah, that eye that is gazed upon our noble Mashaykh, how can that eye look at something that has been forbidden? Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask you to purify our eyes. Ya Allah, purify our gaze. Ya Allah, remove the tama from our hearts. Remove this desire from our hearts. Remove the greed from our hearts. Ya Allah, we look like you're the followers of your messenger. But inside, Ya Allah, we have the hearts of animals. Ya Allah, we have the hearts of beasts. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we have fallen even below the level of beasts. Ya Arhamar Rahimeen. Ya Allah, we need your mercy on this day. Ya Allah, put the reality into our hearts. Ya Rabbi Kareem, put the reality of this deen into our hearts. Ya Allah, we too want to taste the deen. Ya Allah, we ask of you on this day, Ya Allah, nothing from the dunya. Ya Allah, Allahumma inna nas'aluka minka anta. Allahumma inna nas'aluka minka kulmaka. Ya Rabbi Kareem, on this day we ask of you, you. Ya Allah, we ask of you a relationship with you. Ya Allah, we ask of you companionship with you. Ya Allah, we ask of thee proximity to thee. Ya Allah, we want nothing more in this world except you. Ya Allah, if we have everything in this world but we don't have you, Allah, we will be losers. And if we have nothing in this world but Ya Allah, if we have you and your pleasure, Ya Allah, we will be winners. Ya Rabbi Kareem, Ya Allah, make us in a way that is pleasing to you. Ya Allah, from the tips of our hair to the soles of our feet, Ya Allah, make us in a way that is pleasing to you. Ya Allah, all those things that are pleasing to you, Ya Allah, hasten us to them. And all of those things that are displeasing to you, Ya Allah, turn us away from them. Ya Allah, put a love in our hearts for those things that are beloved to you. And put a hatred in our hearts for those things that make us distant from you. Ya Rabbi Kareem, Ya Allah... We ask you to include us amongst your accepted servants. Ya Allah, accept our ibadat, accept our fast, accept our prayers, accept our dua. Ya Allah, accept the sohbah that we have of our shaykh. Ya Allah, you gave us the command, kunu ma'asadikin. Ya Allah, we came here, we did amalan kunu ma'asadikin. Ya Allah, now you give us the tawfiq to do amalan ittakullah. Ya Allah, give us the tawfiq to do amalan ittakullah. Ya Allah, make us amongst the muttaqeen. Ya Allah, put the fear for you in our hearts. We too, be, we too want to be amongst the people who refrain from your disobedience out of fear of you. Ya Allah, put the azmat, the majesty of your being in our hearts. Ya Rabbi Kareem, Ya Allah, Ya Allah, change us from the depths of our hearts. Fill our hearts with your dhikr. Ya Allah, for 24 hours a day, let each and every atom of our body be doing your dhikr. Ya Allah, from the depth of our heart, from the depth of our soul, from the core of our being, Ya Allah, fill us with your love and your mahabba. And Ya Allah, accept our gathering and meeting one another for your sake. Ya Rabbi Kareem, your beloved messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, said, that when people meet one another and part with one another for the sake of Allah under the love of Allah when they meet with one another come from distant lands only in a gathering to earn your pleasure that Ya Allah you send your special mercy upon them that you will get them the shade of your throne on the day of judgment Ya Rabbi Kareem we meet one another only for your sake and only in your name Ya Allah we love one another only for your sake and only in your love Ya Allah accept this love between us and make it a means of earning your mercy in this world and a means of earning your forgiveness in the Akhirah ربنا تكمل إنا إنك أنت السميع العليم وتوب علينا إنك أنت التواب الرحيم وصلى الله تعالى على حبيبه سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين آمين